Welcome to In the Know. Uh, we are back after who knows how many weeks, and uh, who knows how many weeks till you see us again. So you better cherish this episode. It'll be one of a kind. We're here to talk about the Pelicans, of course. Uh, their trials and tribulations in the in-season tournament, uh, how they fared, and just kind of general team-building stuff that we love to uh, talk about endlessly. <laughs> Mason, what's up with you? How have you been? Uh, how's life treating you? Uh, good, man. Um, it's uh, getting getting a little chilly up here, as, as to be expected. I'm excited. I'm coming down uh, to New Orleans for that like, kind of Christmas, New Year's week or like 22nd through 28th, something like that. So we'll be down there for a week and uh, bringing our daughter down. My parents are better before, but first time she's going to be down in New Orleans. So um, we are we're excited for that. Is this her first flight? Second. Second. We were very we were very smart. We we had a, a group of friends get together on, the, on for the Fourth of July in Austin, Texas. So we all enjoyed 105 degree heat together. Um, but that's that was her first flight. So this will be number two. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. No. Well, I'm glad you're coming back down to New Orleans. It's uh, probably a good escape from the old Michigan weather. Um, oh yeah. That is this time and of year. I, yeah. And uh, you? I guess I, um, obviously. Uh, I don't know. Um, you you had some some news recently. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Just um, I broke. Uh, yeah, I broke my leg. For listeners who are unaware, recently playing frisbee, I went up for a catch, came down on it pretty awkwardly. It was a complete like hyperextension, and when it happened, I thought I like blew out my knee, honestly, because that's where all the pain was was uh located. We got uh we got imaging, and they did they did the physical exam, and in the physical exam they were. Like, no, we think you avoided your ACL, but we're concerned it might be your meniscus. And I was like, oh, um, I know a couple of Pelicans players have gone through something similar. <laughs> and uh, so they got the MRI and the MRI revealed. Fortunately, like it wasn't a meniscus or, or any kind of ligament stuff. I mean, I have like grade one, like MCL and like LCL sprains, but those are those don't require any kind of surgery or anything. Those will just, you know, heal over time. Um, but I do have a broken leg. Uh, there is a fracture. <laughs> and um, so the, right now the prescription is just to be off of that leg for four to six weeks as it heals. And so that's going to be a bummer. Sacrifice no yourself surgery. to save the Pelicans. I'm, I'm convinced that's what happened. So we, we <laughs> yeah, Pel- I, I'm, Pelicans I'm, Nation thanks you for your service. I don't think I've, I'm doing enough. It looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do they need? Another arm? <laughs> But uh, um, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm happy it turned out the way it turned out because I was like prepping myself for something that needed surgery and extended, uh, recovery. Where uh, I'll gladly take the non-operative version of of events. Um, even the even the doctors were like a little bit surprised because this type of injury frequently requires surgery, whether it's to fix the bone or it, it causes other tears. And they're like, you got pretty lucky. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad I did. Um, but yes, uh, I, I have a broken leg and uh, the, the I don't have a smooth transition from that to the Pelicans, but they played in the in-season tournament uh, recently. And uh, it was a, it was a fun journey. I would say uh, the whole process was, was interesting. I think the league has, done a good job with this obviously there are areas that they feel like they can probably improve upon going forward but for its inaugural iteration the group play system was fun it was exciting the pelicans had to watch the rockets lose in order to qualify which i think 
started the bit of excitement you know oh okay the the rocket slots we've made it out of group stage now everybody's made fifty thousand dollars right that's that's super important like that's cool like hey the rocket slots we made fifty thousand dollars and then going into uh sac i guess even before that watching the next game play out the sacramento and the golden state game watching it for both point differential and outcome and it was an insane crazy game. game malik monk hitting a wonderful shot at the end to secure the Kings of victory, which also secured them a hosting spot in the plane. Uh, so the Pelicans had to travel there in Sacramento. Um, so let's talk about the Sacramento game a little bit. Uh, the Pelicans had a really good night, um, good performances from up and down the roster led by Brandon Inger. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there was, I mean, the, the, the difference between that game and then the one that followed was, was, was wild. And look, I mean, I don't think it's a secret at this point, the Pelicans match up pretty nicely with, 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 with Sacramento. And so I, I'm not, I, I wasn't, you know, super confident they were, they were going to, to, to win. I mean, it's a game in Sacramento. It's a road game against a good team. So you can't, you can't really be confident you're going to win. It's kind of a coin flip. And um, the Pelicans came out, it was peak Brendan Ingram. I mean, he was distributing, he was taking, Quality looks, um, you know, for, for the most part, he was getting to the rim. He was facilitating for others. I mean, it was everything you want to see out of a star player. And even on a night where Zion didn't, didn't do too much. Um, the rest of the, uh, of the roster came through. I mean, Trey Murphy came out guns blazing and, and, and contributed nicely as well. Um, they, I mean, they just got contributions up and down the roster. Um, and so, I mean, there's not a ton of resistance when you're talking about the Kings uh, defensively, um, but they went, you know, shot for shot and they overcame a, a slow start and, and, and got a really nice win. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the way, as you mentioned, the way Brandon Ingham played was extremely impressive. He got to the free throw line nine times. He shot six threes, hitting three of them. Uh, two of them he hit were pull up threes coming off of Zion screens, which is, I think, an important little development in action. If if they can do that uh, at, a, at a pretty high frequency it'll change how teams def- defend them right um if, if that is a shot that brandon ingram can can you know i don't want to use the word perfect but excel at uh that will change the geometry of the court because zion you can have zion set a screen for brandon at any point at any time right and if you are now able to set those up 30 feet from the basket uh and teams have to respect brandon ingram's shot then it changes Zion's ability to get to the paint because Brandon is so tall that he can pass over defenses. He can pass over double teams um, and use his length to kind of find Zion in situations where he might be playing, um, you know, he, they might be playing four on three in, in, in those situations and Zion being the decision maker and also going downhill. And you can also kind of imagine spacing out the floor, right? CJ in one corner, Trey in the other corner, like all, that kind of pick your poison defense becomes super, super deadly. Um, I think they should continue to develop that moving forward. Uh, Brandon should continue to develop that moving forward. Um, and then the extra, like, you know, the classic mid ranges that he hit were like a cherry on top of like a very, very, very nice set. Right. And I think that's kind of been the, the argument from a lot of people is that you're capable of hitting these tough shots. Just don't make it your primary right? Make it the thing that sets you over the top, make it the thing that truly makes you unguardable. So uh, yeah, props to Brandon Ingram who played, I think one of the most complete games he has in, in, in a long time. 
Yeah, uh, for sure. And I think we'd be remiss not to mention not, I mean, Herb Jones, <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like you, you legitimately cannot say enough about the way his offensive game has expanded this year as well, you know, as far as ways to contribute without still without being really a plus shooter. I mean, he's not, he's not doing materially better from three point range than he has in years past. And, um, and you know, the, well, that's kind of a, a bummer and there's not a ton of authors in there to, to say he's ever going to become that kind of plus shooter at this point. He's making, he's doing all the smart things and it's not just that, you know, he's a lockdown defender anymore. Like he, 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 he can be a good offensive player um, with the right supporting cast around him. And he's not a guy that you're just going to be able to just leave um, because he's, he's going to, you know, he's going to, he's going to make defenses pay and, and find the holes. And, and, uh, and, and really, I, I, I'm, I've been very impressed with him, the way he's grown offensively um, that, you know, what I've seen this season. Yeah. He's, he's taking the coverage as a sign of disrespect. He's like, Oh, you're going to leave me. Are you sure you want to do that? And and then he's pressing the issue. And it's not just that, like, you know, I think there was times uh, last season, maybe even like early on in the beginning of this season where it was this pressure of like, I need to get threes up, right? Like I need to space the floor for those other guys. I need to get threes up. Trey's not available. Someone's got to shoot threes. And I think the worst games like Herb would have were the ones where he was primarily just spacing out to the corner or spacing out to the wing and five of his eight shots would be threes. And you're like, okay, like that, that is not Herb Jones. And and Herb, I think is finding the balance between taking the open shot versus putting his, I think, very good ball handling skills and slashing skills to use and attacking the basket, uh, playmaking while going downhill, getting to the free throw line. Like, he's making the game easier for himself and for others. Um, he is really, really growing into a player that know, like knows when to attack, right? When 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 to push on that gas pedal. And, and so, you know, I don't think you're ever – you're going to get all the games where he scores 23 points and has five assists and, 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 you know, plays like lockdown defense, but it's certainly like, you know, there are players in this league where you can give them a ton of usage because you don't want the stars to have a ton of usage. And you're like, I'm just going to live with the outcome here. And I think Herb Jones is becoming one of those players. Where you cannot live with the outcome. He will accept that usage, not shy away from that usage. He will embrace it. And then he will throw it in your face. And and then you'll have, you know, your coach like uh, Mike Brown speaking about like, oh, Jones scores 23 points. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, look, really, really fun game. Um, and I want to because I, I feel like the rest of this podcast is going to be a little doom and gloom. <laughs> um, I do want to you know mention like that. That's peak Pelicans basketball. I mean, I, I think, it, well, especially as Trey Murphy gets, you know, his minutes restriction lifted and and starts to have a more regular role. Um, that's this, that's the type of team we, we want to see. Uh, and they're doing all the right things. And I mean, and then, you know, you hope you get the Zion of old to, to add to that because he really wasn't, I'm not saying he, I guess he was a non-factor, but I mean, he, 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 cause he, when he's on the floor, he's going to take defensive attention, right? I mean, like they're gonna, you, you need to know where Zion is at all times. So even when he's not scoring, he's got attention. It's going to help the other guys on the floor, but he didn't, he didn't, scored so he didn't score that much he really didn't do anything but be a decoy uh essentially and um and you would, you would think that you can add if you can add him actually creating uh advantages and in, in, in getting 2025 20, plus i mean that's a that's a pelican seems gonna be really hard to beat yeah and everyone feeds off of that so i think i think that's a really good time to kind of talk about 
the Lakers game, right? So the Pelicans advanced. They made it to Vegas. Everyone got a minimum $100,000. You know, really good success story. And I think talking about the Kings game prior to this, like, kind of puts into perspective, like, at the end of the day, these are regular season games. And, yes, it was a bad loss. Yes, there was a lot of eyes on them. But, like, there is still room and runway to correct things and still improve upon, right? There's still a lot of good that's occurred this season that they can build upon. Um, So with that out of the way, they were fucking terrible <laughs> against the <laughs> Lakers, right? From from the get-go, you could tell that the Lakers, particularly LeBron, came in with a certain mindset, uh, came in with a desire to kill, and, and LeBron executed on that desire. And, and as the game progressed, the Pelicans kind of looked a little bit shell-shocked. Like, they, they looked like the stage was too big. The lights were too bright, uh, particularly Zion, right? Like, Zion, I think there's a lot of attention being drawn to his conditioning and his lack of effort, which I think is fair. I think, I think all of that conversation is fair. Shaq and Chuck, JJ, all of those guys have spoken on it in, in a very eloquent way, but uh, in, in a way where they're, they're, you know, hopeful that he grasps the picture and, and turns it around. I think that's, that, that's all fair. I think that doesn't account for what I saw to be someone that looked out of their depth. Like, Beyond the conditioning issues, like, you know, going one for six in the free throw line, I think is an, an, an indicator of something up here where it seemed he was unprepared for that level of competitiveness, that level, whatever it is, you know, that moment with, when the lights were the brightest, the moments that he said he lives for, for whatever reason, he seemed out of his element. Did you come away with that, that kind of uh, an impression? Yes, I think some of the events of the game, I, I, I'm not going to uh, weigh put as much on the free throw screen because honestly, he's been pretty awful free throw, uh, at, at the line all season. I mean, he's he's never been a great free throw shooter, but I feel like he's been not not. <laughs> I, I I routinely check this because the Pelicans' leading free throw shooters in their starting lineup have been like Jonas and Herb Jones, which is absolutely ass backwards from what you would expect beyond Zion. Um, but 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 I do think. I think he got rattled very easily. I, I feel like the the, char- the two charges in particular that LeBron James took, I, I he was already playing kind of tentative. That just shut him down. It feel I felt like because he he probably he probably just said I can't attack here, and, and especially if LeBron James is sitting there waiting, he's going to outsmart me. Is essentially kind of what I felt like I saw Zion resigned to, and so you saw him attacking when it wasn't LeBron there, right? I mean, but but when when LeBron was there to defend him. He he felt like he he just played like a guy who knew he was already beat, and and that can't be Zion's mentality. He's he he's he is a force, even with the conditioning concerns that that are. I get. I, I think you put it very well. A, a bunch of uh, people have commented on it very eloquently. He can he. There's still he still made plays last night. When you saw the burst, you saw the quickness, and so he's got to he has to play with that confidence all the time. And then if he's got to take a play or two off because he doesn't feel like he's because he needs to catch his breath, you. As long as you're getting that the the peak level of Zion for the plays where he is giving it uh, his all, no one can stop that. So it, it, it that's why it was so disappointing. Yeah, it was it was, and I think there was something he said in the post game press conference. You know, most of the post game press conference, I don't think the reporters got anything out of it, which is I think pretty standard after a loss. When you talk to him after a loss, you're not going to get many details uh, or, or insight from. Him. But there was one final question. And uh, where they asked him, you know, because I kept saying, I need to be more aggressive. I need to be more aggressive. And and someone just kind of followed it up. I, I forget who the reporter was, but they asked him, what do you mean by that? Basically, essentially, they were just like, well, how how do, would you be more aggressive? And he started talking about like 
hunting for more shots. But what he said was, I sometimes obsess over trying to find the best possible shot when I'm out there. And he's like, I just got to get, get over that. I just got to get out of that mentality of like, hey, like that's not the case. Sometimes my team needs me to to do me, right? And I think that I think that was kind of a little bit, that was insightful on his part, but also the kind of the difference where like the Lakers, you know, like Cam Reddish and, and, and Rui Hachimura and all those guys, we're feeding off of what LeBron was doing, right? You're watching LeBron go crazy and do all of these things. You're going to be excited. You're going to want to match that level of energy, right? The Pelicans are looking at their best player who brought nothing. And it's so hard to match that level of energy. And I think Zion kind of realizes it. Hey, I need to be the one that sets the tone. Yeah. And when you set the tone, you get the additional defensive attention because I don't really think as when LeBron's out there guarding Zion, I don't think the Lakers felt compelled to throw a second defender at him or anything like that. And so when, when, when you can defend Zion one-on-one, it makes it really hard to start getting others involved and having others feed off you because there, there, there aren't the passing lanes there. There aren't the open looks that you're creating because you're not being assertive and forcing that second man to come in, or even just, you know, someone looking out the corner of their eye on the weak side, say, all right, Zion, if, if Zion can, you know, get to the rim in a second, I've got to be aware of that. I didn't see that. I mean, again, when LeBron was off the floor, there was certainly like Jackson Hayes is not going to stop Zion, right? But, but other than that, oh my I mean, gosh, let's hold on, hold on. <laughs> I want to talk about that for a second. Jackson Hayes is not going to stop Zion. There was a distinct moment. Zion had Jackson Hayes matched up with him. He was in the paint, couldn't <laughs> even did not. I don't want to say couldn't because he's more than capable of doing it. Yes. Did not even attempt to try to seal Jackson Hayes off. Allow Jackson Hayes to push him off. I mean, it was like the laziest like. You know, hey, pass me the ball, please. And it's just like, where, where, I that was that was just disappointing, and it was just like, just the level of nonchalantness of like, oh yeah, I'm out here, you know, playing basketball. It's like, what? Yeah, Jackson A's. You, yeah, there was one of your tweets today. There was a there was a reply to it that had a video of Zion's first preseason game, the one against Atlanta. I don't know if you happen to see it. Yeah, I. I, saw I, that. I yeah, I saw it and I remember it because I was there. I was I was uh happened to be in Atlanta at the same time and was covering covering the game. And that I mean, I remember that play. It was like a minute into the game, and it was just like, wow, like we were this guy is really on our team. And I don't know where that guy's gone. Like you you didn't have to go back to Duke videos. You can look at early Pelicans videos too to see how explosive Zion was. And and it's just, you know, some something's just not there right now. Let me take you further in that year. After the meniscus injury, after, you know, the fact that it, it the took them longer than what's up? The bursts, the burst. Of yeah, his, the burst minutes after yeah. the burst minutes, his first matchup against the Lakers on the road. Right. He, he matched up with the Lakers on the road. He had 35 points, I think, that night um, from that game. It was an account. An assistant coach told me at the, that game, his rookie year, Zion. Had, had done a couple of things. He came, and I think Kuzma was still on that team. This was like when he was just like destroying Kuzma in his, in his matchups, right? Um, assistant coach told me like Zion like checked out after like I don't know, I forgot what quarter it was, but he checked out, sat down on the bench, and he said these motherfuckers scared of me, like they don't want to guard me. And it's just like when I heard that from the assistant relaying me, that I was like, holy shit! Like this guy is on, like he wants to go out there and kill people. And I think that Zion doesn't exist right now. And he's got to find a way to find that Zion. The conditioning stuff, yes. I mean, like, look, the, the, 
that is a separate conversation for me, right? Like, I think it's a thing that needs to happen. It's a thing that's entirely within his control. Um, I tweeted about it today, right? He he has the capacity over the next two months to get in excellent shape. That is entirely within his control. Like every, almost every able-bodied human has that capacity to transform your body and transform your fitness over the next two months. Almost every able-bodied, and him as a professional athlete has more resources, more, you know, ability to do that than, than the vast majority of the human population, right? He has that. But that hunger, that desire, that, that, that certain like, fuck you, right? Like, I don't know if that's within his control to come back. And I think, you know, there is probably some part of Zion through his whole journey uh, where over the repeated injuries, like, again, I'm, I'm doing very armchair psychoanalyzing. So it's very, it's kind of irresponsible of me, but it's like, did, has he lost that kind of competitive edge and confidence because he's lost faith in his body over the years. Like, I, I don't know. Like that, that's a question I'm, I'm asking very open-endedly. Yeah. I mean, I, I so uh, I was listening to the, um, the conversation that, about Zion they had on the, on the Bill Simmons podcast this morning, not a, not a frequent listener to that one, but when I heard they talked about Zion, I was like preparing myself for the worst. Right. And I thought most of it was actually pretty, pretty fair. And the one thing that, um, Simmons said was that the second jump is gone. And, and it's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I knew it, but I just hadn't thought about it in that way because we talked so much about like what, you know, bef- in a couple of years ago about that second jump for Zion and how he's just a menace on the offensive glass and no one can stop that. And it's like, yeah, that's just, it just doesn't happen anymore. And I don't know if that's effort. I don't know if that's conditioning. I don't know what it is because it, he wasn't in a plus shape his early in his Pelicans career either. I mean, it's been a, this has been a conversation for for years, and so he's he he was that guy even when he wasn't you know even when he was carrying more weight than he probably should have. And so I, I don't I don't know how to place it, but I mean, there are certain parts of his game that just like that really truly separated himself from others that I, I like you said I haven't really seen this year. Yeah, I I don't know what the what the answer is moving forward. Just. Uh, but again, I think you got to control the controllables, and and right now, the controllables are is his own personal fitness. Like, I think he is currently too big, and I I want to be super mindful here. I I am not saying he's fat, and and by the average human standards, he's absolutely not fat. Like I I, I want to be, I I, I want to be very clear. He may even be you know, 91% muscle. Like, it, I don't care, right? But it's too big. It, it, whatever whatever that number is, whatever that, that, that body fat ratio is, is largely unimportant. It just needs to come down, right? It, it just needs to be a little bit smaller until some of that burst, some of that second jump, some of that athleticism starts coming back, right? There, there is an equilibrium here, right? I, I think a lot, a large part of him believes that he has seen so much success because of his success so like why why you know why slim down and i think that's absolutely fair argument but there's an equilibrium here where you can be big and strong without being bulky and slow without it preventing you doing the things that you're known to be able to do and and excelling at and 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 hindering your game on a game-to-game basis right like he's still off of pure talent like you know he went 11 10 11 for 12 against the Sixers like he just kind of 
ran through them. <laughs> nothing he could do. He took over the Knicks games. There's nothing they could do. Like he could still do that stuff, but maybe some of that stuff becomes more commonplace if he's a little smaller. And and I don't know what that target weight is. I'm not his doctor. I don't have access to his medicals in, in any capacity. But like they him and his team need to determine whatever that weight is, try to hit it at some point this season and and see if that changes his games. Because I think personally like it's not the same for everyone, but for me, I get a lot of confidence out of like visual feedback of things that I'm accomplishing, right? And and I and I get that visual feedback from working really, really hard. Like if I spend a lot of time in the gym and then I go try to PR and I lift something really, really heavy, I'm getting immediate visual feedback. I just accomplished this task, right? And that gives me confidence. Oh, I just did that. I trust my work and and therefore I feel confident if he's able to string together a bunch of good games, you know, uh, and, 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 and be on the level that he's capable of being at a smaller size, perhaps it'll bring back some of that desire, some of that confidence. Again, I'm psychoanalyzing here in a way that is probably irresponsible, but I, I don't know, you know, I, I can only guess. Yeah. I mean, I think the part that um, resonated most with me was that the, the equal ring comment you mentioned, like, he doesn't play soccer and he doesn't play football. I mean, basketball sits somewhere in between, right? And, and so even I, I think that hopefully he understands there there is you know giving up a little bit on the strength size and strength if it increases his speed, which is like already uh, you know that that first step is on you know unparalleled for somebody at his position with with you know where with with his size. There, there's there's opportunity there. Um, and so I, I think also I would expect, and this kind of ties to Christian Christian Clark's article from today, I'll bet you the Pelicans know what they want him to be for that, for that exact, you know, to, to achieve that equilibrium. Like that's what they're that's what the med staff and the training it's staff written in his contract. Yeah, that's what they're paid for. The so, target <laughs> weight plus body fat percentage, that specific language, weight plus body fat percentage is written in his contract. Yeah. But, and, and that, to be fair, I mean, that came when with a different, with some, there's been a turnover, right. With the, with the training staff. And since, since that contract was written and, but even so, like there, there's certainly a number, even if it's not exactly the one that's in this contract, there is a number that the, the, the staff has been paid to figure out. And for whatever reason, he's not getting there. Um, and so. <laughs> the other thing is, um, as, and it's something yeah. every single adult finds out the equilibrium shifts. If the equilibrium is absolutely not what it was when you were 19, right? Like it, it changes and you yeah. have to adjust accordingly, right? It is very possible the equilibrium has swung from like maybe when he was at Duke, he was able to be, I'm just making up numbers here, right? Because he was listed at 285 at Duke. Maybe at Duke, he was listed at 285 and he was able to be that and and be dominant and, and be explosive and fast. Maybe now that number is closer to 265, right? Like, I don't know. I'm making up numbers, but it, it shifts. And and that requires, you know, some acknowledgement as well. And we all go through that process and it sucks. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you have a kid. <laughs> that bad. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, any, I mean, anything else you want to hit on from the Lakers game? We, we've obviously, they would, I think the, the Zion point we've, we've beaten up but um well yeah i think there's a couple of things right i think i yeah. think even even when zion's healthy there's there's a couple of of issues 
with regards to how the, the Lakers chose to defend him. Every single moment where Zion was not involved in the play or off the ball, LeBron was playing full free safety. They ignored him completely off the ball to the point where no one else could really get going. There was always a wall. And they did the same thing with like JV, right? Anytime JV was not involved in the play, AD was in the paint, right? They had very clearly game plan around the Pelicans non-shooting threats. And at any point they were just in non-vulnerable, uh, non-vulnerable positions, they would help off of them in, in a way. So I think Zion's off ball utility has to be more if they are guarding them like that, right? I think there needs to be more offensive rebounds. I think he needs to be involved with screening actions away from the play with shooters specifically. You can't help off Zion like that if he sends screens for CJ on the other side, right? I think there needs to be a concerted effort to not clog up the paint when Zion's off the ball. Two, I, I do wonder if it, it raises the question, and it's it's something that we've all been asking the last couple of years, is the best version of this team Zion on the ball the vast majority of the time? Because you mitigate the issue of him being off the ball. You put a very good, you know, put the ball in the hands of a very, very good advantage creator and everyone else kind of spaces them. So I don't know. And I think those are difficult questions to answer. But right now, I do think like, hey, like, you know, trending back towards that, like in shape type of Zion that can move around and be more active fixes some of those problems. It's just that like off ball, something's got to give. Something has to give and the the team has to be smarter at scheming around Zion off ball possessions. And I think right. Some of it is difficult to scheme around if he's just is loafing into the play, if he's taking a very long time to get into the play or not sprinting to set a screen and that kind of stuff. Some of that stuff is, is not on the staff. It's on him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's to, to be, I I would argue that being active without the ball on offense is harder than playing active defense because I I think, and, and with, with Zion that if that's the, the first place you go to catch your breath is when I don't have the ball on offense, then the Lakers can do exactly what the fuck they did last night. Um, and so I also found that, you know, the pressing slash hilarious that it seemed like the Pelicans answer to that defense coming out of the, th- the, the first half or coming out of halftime was Jonas camping out in the corner and chucking threes. Like, like they, they, that's, that's what they did. I mean, that was last Jonas year really took... green to me. I was like, oh, I've seen, I've seen this move before. <laughs> like that's, that was Jonas took two threes within the first two minutes uh, of the third quarter. And like, they weren't like, I think one was wide open, but the other one kind of wasn't. And it was just kind of like, let's, we've got to establish Jonas as a spacer. It's like, that's not going to, it's not going to work. No, that's, um, it, that's a win like... condition for them, right? They're not going to change yeah. how they guard you. What they are changing is who gets to shoot the ball. <laughs> and that's a win yeah. condition for the Lakers. Unless he's yeah. going bananas like he does like one once every 82 With, games. Against the Clippers. Yeah. It's difficult. So, yeah, I think I think the staff needs some adjustment there. Uh, I, I thought that in, as, as much talk there was about Zion, uh, I don't think any of the other so-called stars played well either. I think they played pretty pretty horribly if you ask me jose and her played well no one else did i mean i think you can pretty much you roll it up to that yeah well nope dyson was a plus two in 16 minutes in a 40 point loss all right (laughs) 
Anyone who got most of their minutes in the fourth quarter, I'm I'm kind of rolling out here. But um, uh, no, because all those fourth quarter guys are negatives as well. Great. Put some respect great. on Dyson's name. All right. He was all the right. only positive on the team. I mean, they so they, to to bring it back to the the, the, the Simmons podcast. So, they, so they they were they were saying really nice things about the Pelicans roster. They said like this is a good team. Like they they mentioned Dyson. They mentioned um a, you know a bunch of the guys Trey and just the. Frustrating thing comes down to to, to Zion. And it kind of ties to what um I saw your your tweet today about like um one thing about your favorite team that surprised you, whatever it's or that, that you got or you've gotten wrong or something. It's basically just like, yeah, if Zion is not the top 15 guy that he was when healthy uh in previous years, um, then nothing applies about what we thought about this season, right? Yeah, look, if, if Zion's not a top 15 guy then it doesn't matter what happens to the Larry Nance minutes, right? It doesn't matter what happens <laughs> no. to the JP minutes and if you upgrade on center or not. If it, it does, none of this stuff that we argue about on a daily basis on Twitter, it doesn't matter because the fact is, if he's not a top 15 guy, they're not going to be a good team. And, and and you can say, well, oh, what about Brandon? Like, is he, what if he's, a, yeah, same thing. That's kind of the issue here, right? He's not a top 15 guy, which is like one of those guys needs to be in that tier and 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 so far, only Zion has shown the ability to do it. You want to get mad at me for making that statement? Go right ahead. But right now, neither of those guys, I would say, are top 30 players, right? I think the thing is, there has been an influx of so much talent in this league right now that, like, even if you remain the same in production-wise, you are going to get passed up because someone has gotten better. The league has gotten better. The The just the landscape has changed. And so like, look, those guys are both very, very good players on an, an, any given night. They're capable of being the best player on the court, right? They're both of them are capable of doing that. Yep. They need to do it consistently. That, that yeah. is the ask, right? They need to play that way for an extended stretch and in games that matter. And, and I think, you know, they're from that perspective, they haven't done that. And, and I think I, here's, look, here's, here's a, a can of worms that I want to open up for you. Ew. Christian put out the article today of, of, of Zion not listening to them um, regarding his diet and conditioning and et cetera, right? If that is Zion, if that is just who he is, what point do you pull the plug? It It's a catch-22 because if you're, if you're thinking about pulling the plug, then what are you getting for him in a trade? I guess there's probably does it matter? Like, that's my thing. Is like that's the kind of that goes back to like what the like we did through like the Eric Gordon situation, right? Like, like, like just oh, hit the reset. Is that what yeah, you, like yeah. well, it was Eric Gordon. Like ah, like he's a max contract. Oh well, he's not healthy right now. Oh well, he's playing right now, so I don't know if we. Ah, I'm so I'm so bad. angry. You just compare Eric Gordon to Zion. It's, like, it's just... bad, but that's what this is. <laughs> that's what this is. So I think at like at some level, it's like yeah, maybe he turns into that guy, but like. What is the probability of that happening for yeah, you? But, and but Eric Gordon was never going to be a had never at any point showed he was going to be a top. No, 15 but player. Dell the, the reason Dell didn't move him because Dell couldn't accept the sunk cost. That okay, that part is is fair, but uh, yeah. So I guess I'm. It I'm was wondering... this perpetual cycle of like, oh well, he's going to have more value in the future. Oh well, he's kind of play well. We kind of need him right now. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> oh, he's hurt again. Shit. <laughs> yeah. So it was just like. What, what, you know, what do you do? I think, I think completely unsourced, completely unsourced. I think if the right deal was available at the deadline, the Pels would pull the trigger. The, so you're saying like in two months, not, not previously, like. 
Correct. In two months. I think they would have done it this summer had like the scoot stuff made sense. Right. Like had had that deal. Like I forget about how scoot is playing right now. Just just that pick for scoot plus other assets had they all made sense because because my understanding was at that time if if they were able to get like for example like from from charlotte if they were able to get that pick and mark williams and some other stuff if they were able to get shaden sharp from from portland if they were able to get a bounty of things they would have done the deal and in in uh i think if you were willing to cross that bridge then you are willing to cross that bridge again at a certain point and it's possible that you're priors have updated right and and so i think there is a world where you hit the deadline and you see a deal happen and it might be a deal where you're just like fuck what are they just moving for <laughs> yeah um see the, the hard the reason this is hard for me is not really it's not sunk cost as much as it is the ability for New Orleans to land a player with the upside that Zion has. But at some point, yeah. you you were right to bring up, is that upside ever going to be achieved? Because right now we have a ton of data points to suggest that, you know, either A, it would look like it could, and then he got hurt, or B, he just doesn't want to put in the work to get there. Um, and so if that's if that's the case, then then yeah, like I, I see a world where they where they move him and just, you know, go a different direction because this 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 ties back to other things that we've been talking about for a while. Just how hard it is to build a team around Zion because he is a he, he is he is a, a, a hyper efficient scoring four who doesn't rebound who isn't defensive rebound doesn't offensive rebound either right now but, but he's never defensive rebounded and he can't be a rim protector uh, and he doesn't shoot and so it creates this, this environment where if you go big teams can just collapse the floor on you defensively if you go small. You can't you can't stop anyone. You can't protect the rim. And so there has to be like the perfect front court pairing for him to even start to build a team that you feel like is can can win anything of, of consequence. And so if Zion isn't that good, if he's not that top fifteen, top ten guy, it's almost like he's creating more problems than he's solving uh, in terms of roster building. Not him individually, but in terms of roster building. Absolutely. I, if only someone wrote an article on the Substack about how stars <laughs> are supposed to uh, create solve problems, not create them. Yeah, I don't know, mm -hmm. man. That's uh. Some seems like a you know conversation that's been had before uh, regarding certain players in the Pelicans, but uh, you know, I, I I think just kind of, like the one thing I want to push back on like the team building aspect of it is like I think like the the way I would build around him is not build around him as if he was a four. I would build around him as if he was like he is he is Russell Westbrook. He is you know De'Aaron Fox. He is a guard who is going to take a lot of possessions on ball and everyone else you know, like someone else has to go play the four, right? Someone else has to go do those things. It's still like a difficult ask, right? Like I, I think it's not easy because someone else has to defend guards and you have to put Zion on somebody to defend, right? Um, and, yeah. and, and, and you fill that four spot and the five spot with, with shooters, uh, at least one shooter, right? So, but yeah, so what 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 needs to happen in, in, in my opinion is, is, is exactly that is like, you need to like just maximize the number of shooting a uh, number of shooting players around the Pelicans and in, in Zion and also put the ball in his hands more. And it's just that like, how can you go all in on a guy that is not all in on himself? As JJ said, like yeah. it's, it's just, it's, it's, yeah. it's such a weird proposition. Uh, Especially when you're making so many sacrifices to, to, to build around him the right way. And sacrifice is probably the wrong word, but it's a unique, you need a unique 
set of players, I think, to to maximize Zion. And so it it is like, you know, it is kind of sacrificing in a way. I um I'll throw out some some destinations for you. Uh, right now I think his value is pretty low. Legally. I I don't think he would return like what Donovan Mitchell returned, right? I don't think he would return what Rudy Gobert returned. I'll throw out some destinations for you and you tell me which ones make sense for you. Um and 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 what you would think you could get from those destinations. I think the top destination I have is Houston. Okay. Um I'm Shangun is probably your your target there, right? God, Jabari, Jabari I would Jabari love Smith. that. <laughs> I uh, think if they they went to Houston this summer, they could have had that lotto pick for plus two of two of Green Smith Shangun. Sorry, let me let me walk that back. I think they could have had two of the four things there: the lotto pick, Green Smith Shangun. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I feel like they, I, I feel like you would be, well, I don't know. Like, so the thing is, I feel like Houston, those guys like Jabari Smith or Sangoon, like they, they both have, they're both interesting pairings for Zion, like with Zion, not trading for yeah. Zion, you know? <laughs> um, I think Houston probably tells you no on Sangoon. Like straight up. Yeah. I, mean, I think the conversation kinda, could be completely different. Life. What's yeah? I mean, I think the conversation can be completely different in two months. I think if you call them today, they tell you no. Right in two months, I think Zion like that. One thing I want to like, I, I I keep want to go back to like Zion and the Pelicans can change the conversation in just two months, right? If over the next two months, you know, they play what thirty games in the next two months, they go twenty and ten over those games, or even if they go like you know like seventeen and and, and thirteen, like that's still a pretty good record. Um, but and and Zion's putting up with an efficient twenty six. And that, that that changes the narrative, right? Right now, the narrative is, oh, they came out for a big loss, blah, 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 blah. But, like, I think that kind of, like, ignores the good that's happened this season. And over the next two months, they are entirely capable of being good. Trey is back. CJ is back, right? Like, we're going to get Matt Ryan back, the plus minus God. Um, but, you know, like, those, those are things where in two months, all of a sudden, if the Pelicans have gone 20 and 10 over the next 30 games and you're at the trade deadline, yeah, Zion looks way different as a trade target than he does today, right? And I think then you can go to Houston and be like, "Yeah, give me Shangun and give me Armand Thompson." Yeah, but but to be just just to be super negative here for a second, how in your mind, how much of that could possibly be fool's gold? Where they just they blitz, they 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 play small, they blitz mediocre teams or bad defensive teams with small lineups, and and ultimately you don't fix anything that the Lakers cause like any like the, the way the Lakers were able to defend the Pelicans you could argue that that's not they don't have to change anything like you play the Lakers again in two months let's say that you know we're after the traded line you play the Lakers again and the exact same shit happens because the, the how the Pelicans can play certain defenses defenses or certain teams hasn't materially changed it's just you know they've taken advantage of certain situations and they're they're, they're gonna like the Pelicans team is currently constructed even if Zion is only you know five percent ten percent better than he is right now he could still be the shit out of teams the way with you know how the way he's uh, yeah he's look, look. again well i think i think there's there's 
two answers to your question, though, answer number one is that's exactly why you move him at the deadline. He's, he, yeah. You think it's fool's gold, and you take advantage of the fact that you have been good, and he has been good, and this is the best it's going to get, and you move him, right? That, that's our, that's answer number one. Um, I, I think there are people in the Pelicans front office that would not mind that outcome. I'm just going to put that out there. I think they would not mind that outcome. I think the number two would be is if you do end up talking yourself into this and, and selling yourself into this version of the Pelicans, then you specifically make buying moves at the deadline that change that, right? That change how they're going to defend. And you do things like start trade Murphy. Like that is a thing that, that that's going to have to happen, right? So so those are our areas where they can can change up things. And in addition to, you know, kind of like game planning around the Lakers specifically, I don't think every single team can play Zion the way the Lakers played him, right? Like, I think sure. teams can attempt to, but like they don't have a LeBron and AD. They don't. Same thing, like where I think like Memphis can do some things with Jaron Jackson that others can't in this West. Like the Kings, they sold out on Zion and he was still efficient, but he still carved them up from this passing game, right? Like he, like he probably could have asserted himself. There was absolutely no need to the Pels were in control the whole time. A sec outside of like the first quarter, right? They were in control the whole time. He had no need to. Um, so I, I think in the West, there's not many teams that can play him like that. And you would have to game plan specifically and trust your game planning to like, you know, match up against the Lakers, but you would make moves at the deadline that brought in more shooting and brought in more versatility that answered some of those questions. Like, cool. Like that's just not a, you know, like we're going to bury the Lakers from deep. Maybe that's what we're going to do. Maybe we're just going to put Zion on the ball and screen with a million shooters every single time. That's just what we're going to do. So like, I think those are your two answers there. Um, but that's why I think the next two months are so important is, 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 is for him to, to make it to the trade deadline healthy uh, so they can properly evaluate if they want to be buyers or B, if this is when they're pulling the cord, right? Uh, deploying the shoot, then it's so much better than if he's just a like hurt or b um not good. Where where I I think he's probably gonna be good by that, right? Like I think there's he's been decent. He hasn't been bad. He just hasn't been a top fifteen player. Like he's had I would say he's had more good nights than the the type of nights that he's had last night. You know, like or against the Lakers. So it's just one of those things where I think. I think I'm personally at the point as like I'm I'm a big believer in like star star stars. You need a top fifteen guy. Zion's your only guy. He's you know he's on his rookie deal. You know you the caps aligning. Blah 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 blah. Like I, <clears throat> logically, I've always been on that train. I think I'm at the point where if the right deal was available in February, I would pull the trigger. But I would want the star. Not a star. Stars a not guaranteed thing. I would want the big of the future or the guard of the future. In, in that deal somehow, some way, right? I mentioned Houston. Obviously, I would want to get Sengun. I think that would be my number one target there. Um, you know, you're going to get a lot of the same kind of like questions as you get with Zion with regards to like fit and, and defense and that kind of stuff. But that guy plays center, right? So like he actually rebounds the ball. He actually like tries. He, you know, he's, he's, he's it's a little bit of a diff- different positional fit. And yes, he's going to get pick and roll to death. But like, can you game plan around that? better than you can game plan around Zion. I don't know. I mean, that's what you got your perimeter defenders for. Uh, the other team I would look at is Detroit. Desperate desperate team. You know, you maybe get a cover Zion in person. Uh, and, and and Detroit's a weird one for me because I, I don't think they would trade Cade. Um, Are you sure? 
I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. But if there was something around Cade, I think you kind of have to listen. Not that I think that Cade's a good player. I just think, like, again, you speak of a talent that might reach all NBA potential. I think that valuation on Cade is rapidly closing. Um, But Detroit's just the most garbage roster I've ever seen. I mean, like, come on. Their roster's terrible. And then Monty's, I think, quiet quitting while he's out there. Um, <laughs> anyways, it's 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 bad. If you can get Cade, I think that changes the equation a little you get, bit. You get Cade and surround him with CJ and Trey Murphy. And, yeah, I mean, that... that and B, I mean, Cade and B.I. are the Spider-Man meme, right? Like, they're... You look at their shot profile. You look at their, like, the time of possession on the ball. Like, that kind of stuff. B.I.'s just better right now. B.I.'s just a better shot maker. Um, I think... But I think it'd be interesting because Cade defends. That's one thing I will, you know, Cade defends. He tries on defense. He's he's a good passer. And I think he's a willing three-point shooter. So I think on the Pelicans, he would have catch-and-shoot opportunities. And trading Zion for anybody already increases the three-point rate. It just just happens. (laughs) Three-point rate's getting higher. Um, Unless, of course, you know, like, would you do something around, like, if if Jalen Duren was the centerpiece, like, how much more would you need? Would you need... Would you need Ivy back? Would you need Asar Thompson back? Would you, you know, at, at what point the Pistons saying, all right, this is this is too much for us, you know? Um, like if it was just like Durin, Bogdanovich, and a pick or two. No, I I I can't get there with them. I mean, I, I I'm much more I'm much more intrigued by the by the Houston uh potential offer than anything in Detroit. I feel like I can't properly evaluate anyone over there just because of how awful they've been um and like even with their like they're they're doing such weird stuff with the bigs over there too like if Durant's he's getting like there's some nights he's just not playing (laughs) or not playing as much as he should be um and so i i don't know houston or detroit as a trade destination just just it it worries me yeah no i think that's fair i'd be so weird dude to to trade cade for zion for them they just go to negative shooting at that point. I don't think I don't I don't think they would do it. That's why you're like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm not sure because I don't think they love I don't think they love the idea of drafting Kate at that time. I think uh um their GM's uh really, really what thought hard you, about that one. What would you trade for Cade if it wasn't Zion? Like to get like to put Kate on this team. Not much. I mean I would I would do C I would do CJ in a pick. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that'd be kind of fun. Pulling, they're not pulling the plug that quickly, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that'd be kind of fun. You, you get uh, an adult for for Monty over there. How how many picks would you need to do? And it, this is more about the contract situation than anything else. But bi for K plus, how much? What how much plus do you need? When you consider the the the, the horizon, we're, the, what we're coming, the path we're coming down with Bi's next contract. I mean, like I think I don't think people are going to like my answer. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I I it's difficult for me because like Cade has not been good or efficient. Bi has been good, but is Bi two hundred fifty million dollars good right. compared to? Right. I think. What Cade is extension eligible this summer. Him and Trey were the same draft class. Yeah. Uh right? Yeah. Him and Trey were the same draft class. You you bring a good point, but his 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 extension also is is daunting potentially compared to what he's 
producing. Maybe, but like I would take a 25% max over a 30. Yeah, the, those are two different quality players, but yeah. I guess, but I think I think you can I think there's a world where you can get Cade sub max. I think that changes things if he's not tied to a percent of the cap. Like if you trade for Cade this summer and then you offer him something less than the max, he probably doesn't take it, right? He probably doesn't take it. He probably just waits. Probably not. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Cade's a weird player. I believe in him so much, he's just been not good. So like I just I, I'm letting my personal bias of him color what has happened, which is he's a below 50% true shooting player with, with one of the highest turnover rates, loves his little midi. Um, just, I, I don't know, B.I.'s just better. I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. No, of, course, I, yeah, of course he is. Uh, yeah, that was never that was never the question to me. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if I could do that. I need the, I think the plus would have to, I would have to know like what else I'm doing with the plus. Like, oh, you, you're getting, you know, you're getting those picks and stuff. Like, what else are you going to go get? Like, that fits. Cause I don't think the Pel- Caden makes the Pelicans better. It just, he mitigates the contract yeah. concerns. Yeah. That I'm with you for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think we've. <laughs> Fun times. Oh, sufficiently, uh, uh, destinations. We're still talking destinations. I think the two other, oh, yeah, okay. I can't really think of any other Western conference destinations other than D uh, or other than Houston in the East. You know, I think the wizards would be interested um, I don't think they have anything I, I, I want particularly, just a disappointing collection of recent draft picks. Uh Bilal's kind of cool, but you know, they he's like Herb Jones. So it's like Herb is great, but like how many Herbs can you have on the roster? And and he's not as good as her yet. Um, you know, Corey Kispert, a, a good shooter, but like what's he doing? You wanna put world? you wanna put Kuz and BI back together? They hate each other, man. I know they they <laughs> That Kuzma's been good this year. Kuzma's actually been, I mean, for as, as good as it can be, like for the Wizards, right? So the Wizards, I don't know. The Wizards are are out for me. Um, Charlotte, I don't know if Charlotte would be interested in him um, and what they would be willing to give up. But I don't think they're giving up Brandon Miller. Uh, and so Atlanta, right? But Atlanta's out of picks because of the DeJounte Murray trade. So it's just like, what does Atlanta have that that makes sense? So it's just like, a lot of weird things, and I think Houston and Detroit kind of like make the most sense from a young player slash pick standpoint. But if it doesn't work out, you you have to revisit the idea during draft time where you know like where the picks are landing, and you have a better idea of where this draft class is headed as as a collective. Yeah. Well, like you said, hopefully this is not a conversation we're having in two months. Hopefully the narrative has turned. But. Yes, hopefully the conversation is strictly about on-court things that are happening because the Pelicans are playing good. Which, by the way, like, is two months when the next episode is going to be? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, I wanted to, I wanted to, to, to say that we, I know you and I talked about this briefly before we start recording, but um, so Zach Lowe wrote his his weekly article. It came out with it today, and um, he didn't have much bad to say about the Pelicans. And I obviously mentioned the fact they got waxed by the Lakers last night, but he, it was, he framed it as a positive. And I feel like it's important to keep that perspective um, given how negative we have been about the past 24 hours and just kind of Zion the, uh, the season in general. But like, you know, he, he positioned the Pelicans making the final four of the play as a, as a step for this team. I mean, and, and I think it's, 
it is fair to say that whether you think the season tournament matters or, or is totally meaningless, like I'm not going to tell you how to feel about that, but you know, this there, it, it is a step for, for this team, given how unsuccessful they've been. He did mention that, you know, Zion hasn't you know, won a playoff, hasn't played the playoff or won a playoff game. And so like, you know, I, I do want to say that, you know, that we, we want an improvement from what we saw last year. We're getting it. Um, not in all the ways we hoped we were getting it. And the season is still young. Um, there's a lot more basketball to be played. And so um, while there's still all these very fair concerns about what the ultimate ceiling of this team is as currently constructed, um, we do owe it a little more time, especially with all the guys on the floor. I mean, finally, we've got players healthy. Like you said, Trey Murphy's coming back. You know, they, they've got CJBI and Zion playing, even if they're not all playing as well as we had hoped. So let's see. Let's see how it goes, right? I mean, it may, we may end up exactly where we, you and I have talked talked about in this podcast, you know, with this team. But let's give them more time now that they're all playing together. Let's give them give them, give them a month, give them a few weeks, and let's, let's see where we are. Yeah, uh, I think we did it. I think we did a pretty good job on this podcast, kind of like level setting that you know behind all the the doomer stuff, right? I think I think it's like. I, we both acknowledge in two months the conversation could be completely different. Yep. Like literally, like they. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but they could be number one in the West in two months, and they'd be like, "Oh shit! Like, what's going on?" Right? A six game win streak changes everything. Or so it's just like, just like a six game losing streak would like have us right back here. Like, okay, when are they pulling the plug? Who are we firing? Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think I think there is a lot of good that's happened this season. More good than bad, I would say. Um, and I hope it continues to trend in, in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. Not going to let the last game, um, it, it provided a good reason for us to hop back on the mic and, and, and chat. And we should, we should, we should start finding opportunities for the Pelicans are doing good things <laughs> to jump and, and just fucking celebrate. Cause they haven't good, there have been great times. Like even that Kings game was, was awesome. It was like all the great things happening with the team and, there have been other, I mean, the fact they won their group, they, they beat the Clippers on the road. I mean, they, they won some games and I don't think they, you know, I don't think people expect them to win. And so look, there's, there's been some really good stuff that's happened this year and um, no, no, you know, hope, hopefully we see some more of it. Yeah. I, I agree, man. I agree. Thanks for hopping back on with me. Uh, yeah. yeah. Best of luck good. with, with, uh, with Sophie and uh, hope you have safe travels here in a, in a week or a couple of weeks or so. Yeah, heal up. Um, hopefully your timetable for recovery is faster than half the Pelicans roster. Um, but uh, you know, just uh You know, po- I looked up I looked up uh NBA players who've had this injury. You know, there's there's been quite a few Kobe being the, the, the most famous of them, but most recently Poku had this injury. Um and you see, they averaged, you know, shout out Jeff Stotts. Stotts has, has, has everything, of course, had to go look it up. Average NBA player comes back in 10 weeks. Poku most recently had it came back in 12. So that's that's my uh that's my benchmark. 10, 10 to 12 like weeks of uh cool. let me let me do it let me get back at it i like it awesome all right man well uh yeah thanks 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 for listening y'all hopefully uh i don't know if enjoyed is the right word given the the subject matter of a lot of this but uh but thanks for no, they enjoyed it because this is a special <laughs> podcast that they don't get very often <laughs> Fair enough. I'll, I'll get that. <laughs>